Morning. Awake? Three of you are awake. That's good. Maybe, uh, maybe as we get through this morning, I know it's kind of uh, the weather isn't what we want it to be quite yet, but we're getting there. Spring is coming, and I'm so excited that we get to spend uh, this Sunday morning together. And I'm so glad that you're here. We, we are continuing in our series called The Last Words of Christ, and we have been listening to uh, leaning in and listening to the, the last things that Jesus said at, as he was dying on the cross. And as we listen to what Jesus said, we've been wrestling with some difficult questions, some challenging questions uh, that arise from what we hear, questions about things like forgiveness, which is uh, a challenging thing in life, questions about dealing with unfairness in life. You know, last week I told you about uh, my, uh, my story at the airport and how my flight uh, didn't get in on time and all of this, and I felt that it was unfair. Uh, somewhat ironic, I guess, Pastor Caleb was on vacation with his family and uh, found out, as I don't know at what point, yesterday they were supposed to come home, and his flight got canceled, and uh, they basically didn't do much to help him. And so he's driving home as we speak from Orlando. And uh, it just kind of fits into my mind when life's not fair, right? And those things happen in life. And uh, what do we do with it? What do we, how do we process those kind of things? As we listen to the third thing that Jesus said from the cross, I think this morning we are going to be challenged deeply about what it means to be family. What does it mean to be a good friend? And I don't know if you've taken time in life to kind of think through those things or not, but I think what we hear Jesus saying today uh, will help us think deeply about that. Uh, how, can, how can I take care of my family responsibilities? And if my family is not what it should be, are there, are there friends in my life that can be that family? And how can I be a better family member? How can I be a better friend? These are good questions, I think, for us to think through. I want to start with this, though. I want to ask you to think about someone in your mind. If, if, if I were to say to you, you're having a, a rotten, no good, very bad day. Maybe you got stuck in Orlando and have to drive home. Uh, you're having a rotten, no good, very bad day. Who would you call? Get that person's face in your mind. Who would you reach out to? Who would you lean on if you were having a rotten, no good, very bad day? I want you to think about that person and just in your heart, give God glory and praise and thanks for that person in your life. Just be thankful that you have someone in your life that you know that you could reach out to, that you know that would be there for you if you needed them on a bad day. Now I have a harder question for you. Hopefully you have someone like that in your life, but now I want to ask you this. If I were to ask that of uh, everyone on the planet, is there someone on the planet that if I asked that question, uh, your face would pop into their mind? Would you be that kind of friend? Would you be that family member for someone else? Who would call you on their rotten, no good, very bad day. Is there someone who would call you? Proverbs 18, 24 says this, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I think 
that that describes the relationship between Jesus and John. And as you watch this monologue this morning, uh, this dramatization of John and his experience with Jesus at the cross, I want you to think about what it means to be family. I want you to think about what does it mean to be a good friend. Let's watch this video about John. I walked with him through the crowds, hundreds, pressing in from, from all sides. I mean, everybody wanted to be near Jesus. There, there was no way that he could see them all, but he, he felt. He felt their, their hurts, their needs. And so many times he would stop and right there in the midst of the masses, he'd minister to the individual. We were always trying to rush him. Well, we, we thought we were protecting him. <laughs> we just didn't understand. And then on that day, as he hung there, he looked at me, and it just caught me off guard. He suffered so much. I can't describe it. And he looked down at me. in the midst of his pain he had to take care of one more person he said take care of my mom he called me brother I loved him like a brother and for that moment, that's where we were. Mary buried her head in my chest. And she just wept. And I looked up at him. And I nodded. A little later, he breathed his last. To open the door so that everyone could be a part of the family. Let's read John's account from his own words in John chapter 19. We'll start in verse 23. John 19, verse 23. 
When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided His clothes among the four of them. They also took His robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's, let's throw dice for it. For This fulfilled the Scripture that says, They divided my garments among themselves and threw dice from my clothing. So that's what they did. Standing near the cross were Jesus' mother, His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother standing there beside the disciple He loved, that's the way John refers to Himself in His gospel, standing there next to John, He said, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And He said to this disciple, He said to John, Here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple, John, took her into his home. John would eventually become a pastor in, in Ephesus. Uh, he, of course, uh, was in exile on Patmos Island. It's believed that he died uh, there in Ephesus. It's also believed that Mary was, was with him. Uh, we don't know all of those, uh, those details for sure, but we know that John kept this promise. It says here in the Scripture that from then on, John took care of Mary. There's a lot going on in this scene, and, and as we watch it unfold and you just understand the humanity and the reality, the pain that, uh, that was happening in this moment, that not only that what Jesus was experiencing, but, but those who loved Him and, and watching Him in agony, what they were experiencing. There's, there's questions that, that come to my mind, maybe they come to your mind as well, like where's the rest of Jesus' family? We assume, we assume that Mary's husband, Joseph, died at some point. We don't really see him, uh, anything recorded about him after Jesus was 12, after they went to the temple. We don't really see any more uh, record of, of Joseph. So we make an assumption that uh, most likely he had passed away. But it's interesting that Mary's the only family member uh, in, in this scene. Where are, where are the brothers and sisters of Jesus? And you think, did he have brothers and sisters? Well, yeah, Mary and Joseph had children together. Jesus was uh, a miracle birth through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Virgin Mary, yes. But uh, after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph had a family, and, and uh, those things are recorded uh, throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament. Where were they? Uh, where were they that day? Why did Jesus ask John to care for his mom instead of one of his brothers? an interesting question to me. I know later on, uh, like James, uh, one of Jesus' brothers, or if you want to be technical, a half-brother, uh, James becomes a believer. He writes, uh, and it's recorded for us in Scripture. Um, why, why did Jesus uh, entrust his mom's care into the hands of John and not, not one of these brothers? And it, it causes me to kind of wonder, what does it mean to be family? What does it mean to be a good friend. And maybe you've had questions like that in your life. Maybe you've had uh, family experiences in your life that have not been that great, not been that pleasant, and, and so you've wrestled with the questions of what does it really mean to be family? Because maybe you've found friends in your life that are closer to you than your family is. I was blessed by God with a very loving family. My, my parents, my grandparents, we had a loving family. My parents cared for us and, and loved us. They were, they were present in our lives. They sacrificed for all four of their kids. And that's a blessing. 
And they had their flaws like all parents do, but they, they taught me that family means that you show up on rotten, no good, very bad days. You, you do that for family. I'm sure that there are some in the room, maybe listening from home, you've had the same kind of experience. You've been blessed by God with a loving family. You should be very thankful if, if that's been your experience, but it's also true that not everybody's had that. Maybe the family that you were born into either was or maybe is a disaster. Maybe your family blew up at some point and you, you can't count on them to show up when you're having a rotten, no good, very bad day. And sometimes a good friend becomes our family. Sometimes a good friend sticks closer to us than a brother. And as I listen to what Jesus said from the cross, as I imagine that scene unfolding, it, it forces me to think about my family responsibilities. And I want you to go with me on, on this, uh, this little quick journey down uh, into Scripture about what it means to have family responsibilities. I noticed that Mary showed up, and I'm sure that that had to have been the hardest day of her life, but she showed up. I'm sure that the emotional pain that she felt that day, quite honestly, is hard for me to imagine. I, can't, I honestly can't begin to imagine what she felt watching this unfold. But she showed up. She was there. She didn't make that day about herself and say, you know what, this is too painful to watch. I can't possibly walk up to the top of the hill and deal with this today. I, I, I don't like hospitals. I couldn't possibly go to the hospital. I, I, I don't like death. I couldn't possibly go to the funeral home. I, I can't deal with it. No, family shows up. Even when it's painful, Mary stepped in to that painful moment with Jesus. That's what family's supposed to do. And it's not just my opinion. It's not just a, a cultural value that I think has been imposed onto me. I believe that to be biblical. I read verses like this in Proverbs 17, 17. It says, a friend loves at all times. And we'll come back to that in a moment when we talk about friendship. But listen to the rest of the verse. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. There's a responsibility that family has on the no good, rotten, very bad days that we have to one another in our family. 1 Timothy 5.4 talks about a family responsibility. If a widow has children, if a widow has grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents. This is pleasing to God that we care for our family when they're in need. The biblical truth about our family responsibilities. Colossians 3.18 talks about the family dynamic within the nuclear family. Wives, it says, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents and everything. This pleases the Lord. Fathers, don't embitter your children. They'll become discouraged. We have a responsibility within the family to care for one another, to love one another, 
to build each other up. God expects us to put our family into a position of priority in our lives. I think that's probably why the relationship between believers is described in the New Testament in the language of brothers and sisters. Why the relationship with God in the New Testament is described as this relationship of father and children, son and daughter. We have responsibilities uh, that I think that I believe, biblically, that I believe that God expects of us if we are part of a family. And so I'll ask you the tough question, the hard question do you show up? Do you show up for your family? And when I, when I say show up, I, I, I guess I want to press in a little bit farther what, what I even mean by that. Are you present? When you're with your family, are you present? I don't, I don't mean just are you, are you in the room when the photo's taken. Yeah, see, I was, I was there. I'm in the photo. Okay, but were you present? Were you emotionally, mentally, were, not just physically, but were you, were you in this moment together with your family? Or were you somewhere else? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the room. I'd rather be about 10 other places than here. When you're with your family, are you with your family? Are you present? And if not, what is it that's getting in the way of making family a priority in your life? Dads, husbands, when you come home from work and you're tired, and it's been kind of a lousy day, and maybe it's a coworker that got on your nerves, your boss didn't treat you well, whatever it is. You come home, and you're, and you, and you're spent. And you still choose to play with your kids. And you still choose to ask your wife if she needs some help. When your family gets your best when you walk through the door, instead of whatever's left over... You are imitating Jesus. Jesus cared for his family. Even when he was tired, even when he was in pain, he cared about Mary. Moms, wives, when you get up early and you make lunches for your kids, even though you're tired because you are up late finishing up the laundry, I don't know how my wife does anything else in life but laundry. It's, it's insane. It's just a constant, uh, a constant cycle. I only wear one outfit a week, so it's not my, it's not my fault. That's probably not true. Well, she gets up. She gets up in the morning and she makes lunch for the kids and when you're doing that for your family, even though you're tired, maybe even in pain, you're imitating Jesus who cared about his family, even when he was tired and going through something really, really difficult. Students, when you're working on chores around the house, when you're helping dad stack the wood for the winter, when you... Bring your best attitude to the family event. Let me say it again. When you bring your best attitude to the family event, whatever it is, you are imitating Jesus 
who respected his parents. Even as an adult man going through something unimaginable, he still cared for his mom. What Jesus did for his mom, I think, is an important reminder of those of us who who are adults, just in a practical matter, uh, making arrangements for our family when we are gone. Let's just admit and say it out loud, that's not a fun thing to think about or talk about. It's like, uh, it's like going to the dentist or being a Pirates fan. It's not fun. But it is an expression of love. It's an important family responsibility. Do you have a will? If the answer is no, think hard about what it would take to get that accomplished as an expression of love towards your family who has to deal with those things on the other side. This is a phrase that I will never forget. I uh, had a funeral. It doesn't matter who it is, okay? Don't sit there thinking, I wonder who did this. Don't do, don't do that. I'll never forget uh, a, a gentleman who I love dearly uh, wrote on a piece of paper uh, what he wanted like for his service, and it wasn't like an official will kind of thing, but it was like, this is what I want, and this is how I want it done. And the title at the top of it, I'll never forget, he wrote at the title, uh, in the event of my demise. That's, that's how he titled it. I'll never forget that. And uh, it was just him. That was his, his, his sense of humor. Uh, and we sat together as a family, and we read through all of that. But it mattered to him. It mattered to him that his family was going to go through that, and uh, he, he even puts a little bit of humor and levity uh, into, that, into that difficult moment for their benefit. Do you have, uh, do you have life insurance? Now, I understand sometimes uh, it's hard to make ends meet or, or you've got to make hard decisions about your family budget, but life insurance is, is important. Um, you don't want to leave your family with, uh, with a financial burden if you don't have to, if that's, if that's something that you can take care of? Do you have a plan for long-term care? Have that conversation. I know it's not fun. Nobody wants to have that conversation. Uh, but be honest and, and, and kind and gracious and uh, do your best to work through that as a family if you're able to before you need it, before long-term care becomes uh, an essential thing. Have those conversations. What's the plan? And do it as, a, as an expression of love for your family. The Bible, these are just practical things, and, and I think the, the Bible uh, teaches us to have family responsibility, to put our families in a position of priority. But here's the reality. Sometimes, sometimes our families, they don't live up to their responsibilities. Now, you're, you're in control of you, right? You, you can be a good family member. You're responsible for how uh, you treat your family. But sometimes your family's not going to treat you the way that they should, and sometimes families blow apart, and that happens. And there are times in life when a good friend becomes family. I bet most of us in the room have experienced that. So what does it mean to be a good friend? A friend, a good friend, stands with someone in their pain. You see where John's at. John stood with Mary. John stood with Jesus that day in their pain. 
And it, it causes me to wonder, where are the other disciples? And we find out later, they're hiding. They're hiding behind locked doors. They're afraid that they were going to get arrested. And I get that. I understand the fear. But John showed up. He was, he was in the same group, but he showed up. And he stood with Mary, and he stood with Jesus in their pain. Proverbs 17, 17, go back to that. A friend loves at all times. A, a brother's born for adversity, but a friend, a friend loves at all times, not just on the days when it's sunny out. And you're, uh, you know, you're planning the, the, the Memorial Day picnic or whatever. Those are good days. We like those days. But a friend shows up, and a, and a friend loves and, and cares and is compassionate even on the days when it's, when it's hard. There's a, there's a song by Randy Newman from the Toy Story movies. Now, I understand there might be some folks in the room that don't know the movie Toy Story, okay? So it's a, it's a kid's movie uh, from my generation of children, okay? And there's like eight of them. I don't know how many uh, Toy Story movies there are. And so the, the series of Toy Story movies has a theme song throughout, and it's called what? You got a friend in me. Thank you. And so this guy writes this song called "You've Got a Friend in Me," and I'm not going to sing it for you. So just calm down. It, it'll be it'll be fine. But uh, just two verses from it: When the road looks rough ahead, and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, you just remember what your old pal said: "You've got a friend in me." You've got troubles, I've got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together and we see it through. You've got a friend in me. When you hear that song, or even just now, you hear the lyrics to that song, who comes to mind? Whose face do you picture in your mind that's like that in your life? And it doesn't matter if it's a family person, or if it's a friend, if you've got people in your life like that that show up and they are present on your rotten, no good, very bad days, you're blessed. You are blessed. But we have to then ask the hard question, are you, am I a very good friend who sticks closer than a brother? I look at this scene from the cross, and it makes me think about our church family. I desperately want our church to be more than a gathering on Sunday morning of people who like to sing some nice songs and, and, and listen to a sermon and then just scatter about and don't care about each other. I desperately pray that God would, would draw our hearts together as a family, and I believe, uh, for the most part, I can't say that might be true of every single person, but I believe overall that that is a prayer that God has answered and that we are, as a church, a, a close-knit family. And I pray that we never lose that. I, I think about how uh, when, when, as we grow, that can become more and more challenging. And, and some of that responsibility doesn't just fall on, on my shoulders, that responsibility falls on your shoulders as well, to care for each other. There's lots of ways to do that. 
cards of encouragement are nice. Maybe it's just a, a text message. This is generational, right? So uh, some people uh, would prefer a phone call, you know, checking in, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Some people like that. And then there's another generation that does not like that. And they would much rather uh, get a text message. That means it's just different, right? It's just a different generational thing. And some people would, would prefer, and this is kind of where I'm at, I don't know why, but uh, I, I would just like to go out and have coffee and sit down and see someone face-to-face and have that conversation that way, especially when someone's going through something difficult. Not that I haven't called, not that I haven't used a text message, but when someone's going through something difficult, it's just, for me, uh, it's nice to sit down face-to-face and maybe have some coffee. There's lots of ways to encourage people, and, and it's not that we can fix every problem. It's not that we can even change every situation, but we can choose to come alongside those who are hurting. We can be compassionate. We can, we can have a listening ear, and that's not just the pastor's responsibility and his staff. That's all of our responsibility towards one another as a church family. That's how the New Testament describes us, brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that as we grow uh, in numbers as a church, which is exciting, and I'm thankful for that, but I don't want us to lose that love. I don't want us to lose that, that compassion for one another. And it's not just, again, it's not just my responsibility to talk about it. It's your responsibility to make sure that it happens. And I think the best way to make sure that it happens is to ensure or for you to choose to be within uh, what we call grace groups, a smaller group where you get to know. You can't know 500 people. You have two services. And even in this service, there's not as many as in the second one, even in this service, you're not going to know everyone in this room well. You're not going to know everyone in this room's story. But when you get into smaller groups of you know, 10 or so, you get to be part of that, that, those people's life story. And they get to be part of your life story. And it just creates a much better environment for, for love and compassion and care. So if you're not part of that, I, I would challenge you to be part of a smaller group. It's going to help us as a church make sure that we don't lose love and compassion for one another as we grow. I, I, I know this, I, I say that out loud, and some of you are in it, and you know the value of it, and uh, I know that sometimes uh, people hear that, and they kind of push that away, and, and, and they don't really want to hear more about it. Bigger churches, it's just honest, bigger churches can be an easy place to keep your distance. There can be an easy place to blend into the background. It's easy to come in late and bolt out to your car after the final amen so you don't have to talk to anyone. I mean, you might hear the, the theme of the old show, Cheers. Now am I in a different generation? Remember the show, Cheers? Okay. And uh, the theme of that theme song was, uh, you want to be where everybody, what? Knows your name. And some of you hear that song, I think it's like an Applebee's commercial now or something. You hear that song and some of you, uh, you respond to it like, uh, no, I don't. No, I don't actually. These people are weird and I don't think I can trust them with my business. All right, well, you might be right about the room full of imperfect people. Can we agree that this is a room full of imperfect people? But if you choose to live in isolation... That's a choice. 
If you choose to live in isolation, then you don't get to complain when no one shows up on your rotten, no good, very bad day. You need to insert yourself. You, you need to take that step and insert yourself into the life of our church family. Now, it's the responsibility of everyone around you to embrace you and accept you and love you and, and, and care for you. But don't make that harder than it has to be by pushing people away and isolating yourselves and not letting people get to know you. That's your responsibility to open up, insert yourself into these spaces where, where we do get a chance to get to know one another and care for one another and love one another. Some of you hear that and you're like, I don't, uh, you haven't convinced me. And, and some of it is you know, insecurity, I get that. Sometimes people think to themselves, what if, what if I try that and no one likes me? What if I try that and people think I'm a weirdo or... What if they find out, oh, can you imagine? What if they find out my life's not perfect? I have some great news for you. Like, if that's what's going through your mind, great news. You are among quite an assembly of weirdos and messed up people. Amen? And I think that's the beauty of the church. What I love about the, the beauty of the church is that we are different, in, in different generations, different backgrounds, different life experiences, and yeah, imperfections, and yet we can come together and have genuine love in Christ as a family. It's amazing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I also think that what we've seen here is uh, this picture of what it means to be a family, what it means to be a good friend. I believe it extends beyond these walls. I think that our presence in people's lives can be a powerful witness for Jesus Christ. Listen to this passage from 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you, talking to believers, talking to followers of Christ, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's a very beautiful, poetic way to say this. You and I as believers, we represent Jesus Christ. Who we are in Christ is not just about our assurance of eternal life, which we're very thankful for. It's about who we represent in this broken world that we live in. Gathering for worship and fellowship at Breakfast Bridge and, and grace groups with other believers, all of that is super important for our spiritual health and growth and strength. But is it possible that God has placed you where you live with the neighbors that are around you as He placed you where you live to do more than just pay your bills and mow your yard? Could there be something more that God wants to do through you in your neighborhood? Is it possible that God has placed you where you work to do more than just get a paycheck and have the self-respect that work brings? Is it possible that God has placed you where you go to school to do more than just get good grades and enjoy the fine cuisine of the cafeteria? Is it possible that God has placed you on that sports team 
or on that after-school club that you're a part of. To do more than just have fun, to do more than try to uh, position yourself so that you can get a scholarship. Is it possible that God has placed you wherever you are so that you could have an impact, a gospel-transforming impact in the lives of the people that you interact with? I believe the answer to that question is yes. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 uh, tells us that Jesus gives us this command that we're to make disciples and we're to teach them how to follow Jesus. And that's not going to happen if we're never with people that need Jesus. Yeah, we're not supposed to participate in the sin of unbelievers. But we are called to be with them, especially on rotten, no good, very bad days, because everybody has them. Imagine, imagine that you're the one who shows up, someone who doesn't know Jesus, and, and life's just upside down, and it's falling apart, and their family's not there for them, their friends all bail on them, but a Jesus follower like you shows up and has love and compassion and kindness. Imagine what God could do in that moment. I want to finish in John 15. Would you join me there, John 15? John 15, verse 13. I'm going to actually back up to verse 12. Verse 12 of John 15. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Jesus is saying this. So we have to look at how Jesus loved His disciples, how He loved His mom in that moment. How did Jesus love? Well, it's just it's an incredible, sacrificial, uh, unconditional type of love that we're talking about. And He's challenging us to love the same way. And then He says this in verse 13, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends which is what Jesus did for us. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Listen to this. This is my command. Love one another. Jesus is... A friend who sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is the friend who was willing to lay his life down for us. Jesus left the glory of heaven. He allowed himself to die the death of a criminal as a sinless sacrifice to appease God's wrath against our sin. Jesus made it possible for us to be made right with God through faith in him to forgive us, to, listen, place us into the family of God family of God. And if you haven't yet trusted Jesus Christ as your forgiver of sin, as your Savior of hell, if you haven't yet done that, we, we pray earnestly that you would do that today, even in this moment. And when you hear what Jesus said to Mary and John from the cross, I also want you to remember that Jesus sees your pain 
and he cares that your heart is breaking. I want you to think about this. Jesus is, was in that moment physically dying in, in agonizing pain that we can't begin to imagine. And yet, even in that pain, he wasn't, he didn't, it wasn't him just thinking about himself. He was thinking about Mary. He was thinking about John. Jesus sees your pain. They were in pain, not the same kind of pain, physical pain. They were in emotional pain, and Jesus cared about that. And he sees what you're going through. He sees that your heart is broken and that you're hurting, and it matters to him. He is our example of what it means to be family, of what it means to be a good friend. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You can depend on Jesus to show up when you need him. How can we follow his example? Jesus is, is, is never going to let us down. He will always be there. He won't let us down. How can we follow his example? Well, just a couple things. Are, are there family responsibilities that you've been neglecting? Family responsibilities that you've been avoiding? Here's a, here's a real quick kind of uh, in-your-face dad talk kind of moment. You ready? Whatever it is, get it done. Get it done. Stop making excuses and get it done. Yeah, we're tired. We're all stressed. You're in pain. You got stuff to do. Take a deep breath and get it done. Next question I'd ask is this. Who has God placed in your life right now who needs a good friend? Who has God placed in your life right now who needs someone to stand with them, who needs someone to sit with them, who needs someone to just be present with them? If you've turned on the news at all over the last several weeks and even this week, I mean, every time you turn it on, you see the things that are happening. It's heartbreaking. Isn't it heartbreaking to see these families that are uh, leaving Ukraine and, and one of the ways that we can be a friend to people that we don't even know. I just want to let you know this opportunity exists. Uh, we just got the, the information this week. Uh, Encompass, which is our national uh, missionary organization for our fellowship. Uh, they have in France what they call the Chateau, which I believe is French for Castle, I think. But it's this big place uh, that they do trainings at, and, uh, and they are opening it up as a place for refugees to come. And we have the opportunity, if you would like, uh, to help. And so they've broken it down. $35 uh, covers one, one night. And um, eight, uh, $105 covers three nights. $245 is a full week, whatever. You, you can go to the website. You could, if you want, you can text... Uh, it says on the information there, one 800 stays to 707070 The website has more information. The reason I bring it up is because there's times when we feel like I want to do something to help. I want to be, be a good friend, even to someone that I don't even know. And we've got people in France, just as one example, we've got people in France who can be that friend, who can say to these refugees, come, stay, we will feed you, we'll give you a place to stay, and we'll help you on the next step. We've got people, our, our family... Our Karis family of churches has people there who can do that, and we can also be a friend to them by helping make that 
possible financially. It's what's great about being a global family, right? I, I can't be there. I can't, I can't go and fight uh, and, and defend. I, I, I don't have the ability to go and, and, and pull refugees out and house them myself. We don't. We don't have that ability. Uh, but there are people there who do, and they're part of our family, part of our Karis family, and they're doing it, and we can come alongside. So just a, a, practical, a practical way to do that. And I'll finish with this thought. Be the follower of Christ who people think about. When they hear the song, you've got a friend in me, or something like that, be that friend that people think about because you represent Christ to a world who needs to know that Jesus laid down his life so that he could, yes, be their savior, yes, be their redeemer, yes, be their leader, but also so he could be their family, so that he could be their friend. Are you thankful that Jesus is your friend? Amen?